the very latest from our local ag industry. The Farming Show with Dylan Honkoop is next on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Extra, extra, read all about it. If you're craving great-tasting food and local brews in an atmosphere that's making headline news, look no further than the Newsroom Pub. Lunch or dinner, it's always a top story when you visit the Newsroom Pub. Their locally sourced menu will delight with offerings of Dutch delicacies, uniquely battered fish and chips, salads, hot-pressed sandwiches, and many other pub favorites. Plus, always making the front page are their incredibly delicious smash burgers, a must-try. The Newsroom's drinks are local as well, featuring craft beers, wines, and ciders. Also, the bar offers a variety of house cocktails and custom-made hard drinks. The pub's interior was designed and built to preserve much of the historic charm of the old Linden Tribune. Dine in or out in the covered patio. Finish off your meal with an official red raspberry sundae or some ice cream from their Daily Scoop ice cream shop. It's a headline trifecta with good brews, good food, and good news always at the Newsroom Pub. Visit them today in beautiful downtown Linden next to the mural or online at thenewsroompub.com. Hello folks, this is Phil George. I'm an elder law and estate planning attorney here in Bellingham and I'd like to invite you to join me every Saturday and Sunday at 1 p.m. right here on KGMI for the Aging Hour. If you have questions about Medicare, Medicaid, long-term care costs, probate, wills, trusts, or anything else that has to do with aging, this is the radio show for you. Studies show that more than 70% of estate plans fail when families need them the most. Join us every Saturday and Sunday at 1 p.m. and we can show you how to set your family up for success. The Seahawks are back at home on Sunday, October 22nd against the division rival Arizona Cardinals, and we want to send you to Lumen Field with two tickets to cheer on the Hawks. It's easy to enter. Just go to this station's website and click the contest tab. Then fill out a registration form, and you'll be entered to win a pair of tickets to see the Hawks host the Cardinals on October 22nd. Sweepstakes live until October 20th at 10 a.m. One entry per person. Find details and enter at this station's website. Go Hawks! Just like we said would happen, farm workers coming together to speak out about a law that was ostensibly to help them, to help farm workers, but it's hurting them. This new agricultural overtime law, we've talked a lot about this on the program. We talked about that hearing uh, last spring. Um where a proposal was out there to actually ease the burden, uh, not just on farmers, but on farm workers and allow them to make more money during busy seasons. Of course, the uh, state powers that be didn't allow that to move forward. But I think a lot of folks were surprised just how much of an outcry there was at that time from the farm worker community, the frustration about this new overtime law for agriculture in Washington. Well, that outcry has gotten that much bigger and an event this week bringing together hundreds of farm workers speaking out on this issue. Welcome this morning here on the Farming Show. Uh, I am Dylan Honkoop. Glad to have you uh, here this morning. And uh, joining me this morning is uh, State Representative Alex Ibarra. Alex, you spoke at the event. Talk about, for, and we can get into the backdrop of this issue and all the stuff that's been going on. 
But first, let's talk about what were these hundreds of workers saying? What were they interested in? What were they there for at this event Thursday night? Well, thanks, Dylan, for having me on your show, and thanks for the invitation. Um, yeah, so what we did is uh, we've been hearing from a lot of farm workers, from farmers. Everybody's very frustrated about this overtime bill that passed just a couple of years ago. Uh, this year, the farm workers, um, after 48 hours, they um, have to get or they're going to get overtime. And so what that means to the farmers and the farm workers altogether is that they don't get as many hours as they used to because of the law. They don't make as much money that they usually bank and they take mm-hmm. back to their homes in, in Mexico or wherever they're from. And so the outcry is, is tremendous. There was one uh, farm worker that talked to us that basically said over the last some years, he's been working 3,000 hours of of farm labor. And he said, this year, I'm going to get 1500 Half. That's half the amount of funding that he would have. These Brutal. folks are up here. These folks are up here to make money to send back to their homes. These, year, these people are here just to work, mm-hmm. just to work harvest, not a, a eight to, to five job. So we're talking about guest workers as well as domestic work, people who live here, but a lot of folks who come from out of town, a lot of folks from Mexico and other countries as guest workers, they're here just to make as much money as they can and go back home. During harvest, yes. So harvest is when they make their big bucks is when yep. the apples are ripe, the cherries are ripe, and that's when they get all their hours to work and uh, make the funds that they want to make. And the farmers, at least this is what I've been hearing, are saying, we just can't afford to pay for a, a percentage of the um, the hours that ha- the labor hours that have to go into a harvest season or a pruning season or different busy times of the year, we can't afford to pay 50% more for some of that labor. We just don't have the margin for it. Is that what you're hearing as well? I'm hearing exactly that. I'm hearing that the farmers, when those folks get to 48 hours, uh, it could be noon on a Thursday, and these farmers are telling the, the employees that they there's no more work. Your overtime is used up. We can't afford to keep you anymore for those for the until the next Monday. So they're sitting around all weekend long, not doing anything, and all they got was forty hours, which is a minimal amount of money. Previous years, they yeah. could work as much as they wanted and make as much money as they wanted. Well, and as I've said before here on the show, when I was young and still doing farm work, I exploited that very thing myself. Hey, when it's busy season and there are hours to be had, I'm going to get as many as I possibly can. But I know the farmers that I was working for, mostly my dad, but others too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But even my dad would have said, you know, if he would have been forced to pay overtime at a certain point, he would say, sorry, I just don't have the margin. And what I'm doing for that, you're, you need to call it a week. Right. And at that point, yeah, I, I would have been ticked too yeah. I, because I would want to get as many hours as I can because I know it's for a short time and then things are going to slow down and you aren't picking berries, picking apples, making hay, any of that kind of stuff in December, in January. And right. <laughs> when are you going to get those hours? Yeah, where most of us work 40-hour weeks for 52 weeks, uh, 52 weeks a year, these guys work probably for nine, nine months to eight months. Most of the hours come during harvest, which is September through November. And that time is where they make their funds after November they go to December, January, and February, there is no work. So they have to make as much money as they can to supply for the rest of the year, for the next four months, where there's hardly any work. 
Washington State Representative Alex Abaro with us right now here on the Farming Show on KGMI talking about agricultural overtime. So that's the issue to get you caught up if you haven't been following this. And certainly we've talked a lot about this on the show. What's new is there is a growing movement of workers speaking out on this and um, wanting to have their voice heard by Olympia. Do some workers feel, I would imagine there's some frustration directed at the farmers too, like, hey, why are you cutting my hours? Sure. So most of these, I'd say maybe about half the workers here, half of them are migrant, the others are from different countries. So they basically blame the farmers for not letting them work. And unfortunately, it's, they have no idea because they're from a different country and they don't know exactly how the United States government works. Right. And so during this event that we put together, we basically just said, it's not the farmer's fault. Whose fault it is, is the legislature to pass that law. I'm a legislator. I voted no for that particular mm-hmm. bill. Um, but it passed through from the other side of the aisle who wanted this overtime bill. And so when that happened, then... It goes into effect, and what we were. This is exactly what we we're explaining to the farm workers. And basically, what I said is, I need your voice to tell me what you would like, not somebody from the other side of the mountains telling me that's not a farm worker that doesn't know how harvest works, how people get paid, and how they do it. Telling th- them over here in Eastern Washington how it works hmm. and that's what they're doing most yep. of the people that are pushing yep. this live in seattle or they live in tacoma or they live in these big cities and don't mm-hmm. even have no idea what farm workers, farm workers go through to me that's offensive but uh i, I not, not the first time i've said that in on this show uh for people to think they know better that's exactly the kinds of things that we hear about around social justice issues of uh, you know don't talk down to people don't misunderstand them actually hear their story walk in their shoes yet that's the same thing that these folks who often lecture us on those kinds of issues are doing and i i view this as a social justice issue ultimately at the end of the day now i guess i haven't mentioned we're talking with state representative alex abara we are here in quincy washington this morning you represent I, i'm blanking what's your district number district 13 13 yep so i represent yakima county up north part of Yakima County, all of Kittitas County, and most of Grant County. So you grew up around here and around the farming world. You know what it's like, too. Sure. So just my, like me, working on farms, picking fruit. Yep. My mom and dad were migrant workers for many years in the... In fact, my whole family from the 30s, 1930s to hmm. 1960s. Uh, in 1960, my dad got a full-time job in Quincy, Washington. Hmm. Six months later, I was born. I was the fourth kid. And so when that happened, that we weren't buying workers anymore, but we were working in the fields. In third grade, I was put in the fields uh, to thin and weed uh, sugar beet, um, beans, and, other, and pick fruit, pick uh, cherries, yeah apples, grapes, and so did a lot of farm working, worked in the plants uh, for packing potatoes, uh, making french fry at Lamb Weston. Uh, so basically was in the ag field my whole life until I went off to college and I got a degree and got a different job. I know, um, you know, you and I have talked quite a bit. We're both, you know, small farm town kids. We grew up around that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this kind of stuff is second nature to us. Yep. And it almost takes an education for people like us to be like, wait, people don't understand this. They don't recognize that's how this works in this world, Mm -hmm. this world of farming. What are you, you're super well connected in this community. What are people talking about around town? Overtime labor for farm workers. That's what they're talking about. 
That's what every the farmers are mad because their workers are mad at them for not letting <laughs> yeah. them work. Yeah, and these guys just want to work. They want to make that funds that they were making before, and these laws are not helping. Even though they say in the legislature that these laws are here to protect the farm worker, but it's not. It's hurting them. What about within the Latino community? You know, su- such a vibrant Latino community in this whole part of the state, particularly here in Quincy, as well as other spots. You're very plugged in with that community. Mm-hmm. What, what's people's heart on this? What, what, are they, what are they saying? Same thing. It's the same thing. It's d- depending on who the person is, but Latino population, they want to work. They mm-hmm. don't want to stay home. They can stay home all winter long. When it's harvest yep. time, that's when they make their money. Even the folks that live in town. The folks that work in the, in the orchards, in the, in the ag world, that's where they make the money during harvest because they get to work a lot of hours and they make a lot of money by picking more or pick, picking more fruit because they can work more hours. That's how it works around here because that's, that's why we call it a small ag town. Yeah. And that's how it works. They just don't know it. Now, your brother, and, and by the way, we're talking with State Representative Alex Abara, 13th District uh, Representative. We're here in Quincy this morning, his hometown, his home base. Um, talking about this agricultural overtime issue and the event that happened Thursday night, uh, apparently more events coming, uh, workers, more and more workers across the state uh, wanting to come together and raise their voice about this issue to be heard, uh, to join this movement. Um, I was here Thursday night to see that at the park here in town, and it was an incredible thing. I I want to say in the neighborhood of 500, maybe even more people there in the park gathered around uh, talking about this, getting information, getting plugged in. Um, what's Representative Abar, what's your message to those folks concerned about that? What should people be doing about this right now? Well, I think what happened Thursday was what we wanted to happen. We, I thought there was going to be maybe 100. If I was lucky, we'd get 100 <laughs> people there to listen to the message, which was, we want to hear what you want. We don't want other people to tell us what we want in town. Yeah. We, I want to hear, since I'm a legislator and I can go to Olympia, I can carry your voice to Olympia and let them know what you folks want, not what they think you want. Yep. So I'm going to get it from you guys and not from anybody else. You guys are the farm workers. So it has to come from you to me. And then I can really get on to Olympia and tell them what they want, not what they think they want. From. And the, the event organized by protectfarmworkersnow.org as well as Center for Latino Leadership. So people who are interested in that can go to uh, Protect Farm Workers Now. There is a way for folks to sign up to speak out on that issue. A lot of stuff available in Spanish there um, for farm workers uh, who are interested in, in more info and, and sending messages even to Olympia. Also Center for Latino Leaders. Uh, .org, uh, and those folks have been very plugged in uh, to helping facilitate this kind of activity, these kinds of events. Um, I certainly, you know, I've gotten to know those folks of late, and it's been great. It's been refreshing to work with Maya and her whole team there. Um, they're doing yeoman's work uh, to to make stuff happen, um, and it would lo- I would love to see groups like that more supported, uh, more visible. Uh, people going to that community for the truth about issues rather than listening to other people who honestly, you know, there are other groups out there voicing opinions on these kinds of issues, um, purporting to speak for the farm worker community 
And the more I talk with people actually in that community, they say that voice isn't legitimate. That's not their voice. They're not speaking for them. And they're pointing out these people have a different motive. They have an ax to grind. They're trying to accomplish something entirely different. And to them, it's a political game where what we're talking about here is just the true voice of the people in a very diverse group of people with a lot of different interests, but all frustrated and uh, connected now, unified around this same issue um, as you are a representative in Olympia, representative Ibarra, what what do you say the temperature is there right now on this issue? Does this even come up on people's radar screen? Well, it's starting. I actually, I just talked to one of the representatives from one of our senators today, just a couple hours ago, and they basically said, yeah, this is bubbling up all to the national level, where we even heard the President Biden speak about this particular issue. Um, about they might bring overtime to across the country. And so that's probably the last thing I would ever want to see happen because I'm seeing the ramifications of that type of law coming to the state of Washington, and it's all bad. Nobody's making any money. They may not come back. I mean, that's the deal. Part of those migrant workers, H-2A guys, don't want to come up here to work 40 hours. They want to make as much funds as they can in the time allotted, and that's not happening because of this particular law. Yeah, I've interviewed a lot of guys um, actually out in the orchards in the last month or so um, in different places around the state, and they're all saying pretty much that same thing. And and guest, you know, I've talked with folks who live here, uh, domestic workers, um, and then, you know, I've talked with with, uh, guest workers uh, from other countries, and they're like, "Mm, we're thinking about it still. You know, I was asked that um, at the event, um, and someone said, you know, how, what, what percentage do you, do you think of people may not come back? I said, I don't know. I think a lot of people haven't decided yet. And at least the folks that I've talked to are just mm-hmm. saying, we're going to see how this goes, but we're starting to think maybe we don't want to keep coming back here anymore, which would be doomsday for farming here in Washington to not have the people to be able to bring in the harvest. Right. It- Here's a perfect example. We had the meeting at 4.30 in the afternoon. It was probably 70 degrees out. It's perfect skies. And these folks were not working. 450 farm workers or so, maybe 500 or more. And they were not working. They were sitting, not making any money, listening to the the message that we sent, which is great to listen to the message. Mm -hmm. But what they wanted to be doing is working. They had from 4.30 till about 6.30, they made zero dollars. Yeah. And, and they couldn't work because the farmers can't afford to pay the overtime. Yeah, day was done already. Yep, and versus it was 4.30. putting in the, I remember raspberry harvest when I was a kid, you know, especially when things were heavy, you just keep going. Yep. Uh, you got to stay ahead of it. And for me as a kid, as a worker, making money. I was pumped. I'm like, hey, another hour, another X number of dollars. Mm-hmm. I and, love it. And these guys are all, most of those farm workers are young folks from probably 18 to 30, just in general. And these guys have a lot of energy and they know the harder they work, the more money they're going to make. At least that's how it used to be. Not anymore. And it's because of that, the, these types of laws that are coming through the system, through Olympia, that are making their life rougher. Now they may not be coming back. And when we don't have fruit that's getting picked, all of the plants, all of the packing houses don't have fruit to pack. So they're going to go under because there's no fruit, because mm-hmm. there's not enough labor to go around uh, to pick all the fruit. And that's what's happening. And it's not so much the labor. It's that they're not getting the hours to pick the fruit. 
And so everybody goes south on that. And I suppose one of the driving issues on this, too, is just the price that farmers get for food, even though the, the, the numbers that people are paying in the store certainly have gone up and everyone's like, wow, food is expensive. Really, you know, at, from a global perspective, we still pay a tiny percentage of our each of our individual income to to feed ourselves in this country, and we're very blessed that way, uh, even with the higher food prices. But by and large, those higher food prices have you know almost none of that has transferred to the farmers. You know, talking with folks here, I know back home in Whatcom County, it's the same thing. A lot of prices are still the same numbers that we've been seeing for ten, fifteen years or more. You know, and, and maybe things will come up a little bit. Some things are even the same or lower as they were 10, 15 years ago. And that drives this issue as well. You know, if there were bigger margins there, more money to be had for the food, then there would be more breathing room to make this kind of stuff happen. That's not there. So everybody's in the squeeze. You know an awful lot of farmers around town. Are they thinking they can survive? Are they making different plans? Well, I mean, we talked about my brother Emmanuel. He had a he would hire probably a thousand farm workers on a regular basis. And some years ago, he saw the writing on the wall. He mm-hmm. saw the payroll bill coming through the system. He saw these other bills that were going to harm his business, and so he basically decided to retire mm-hmm. at the early age of forty nine or fifty. And he had plenty of years under his belt that he could have worked, but he saw the writing on the wall because of these types of bills. He decided to get out. And there's a thousand workers he hired on a regular basis. They'd come year after year after year to work with him because they enjoyed working with that farmer. And he just stopped. And those people stopped coming to him and now they have to find another employer yeah which and, they may not like as much and i'm hearing a lot of other farmers too say i'm not sure how long we can keep doing this yeah. and, and one farmer that i was talking with at the event who was there and and helped kind of get things ready he said you know i'm gonna have to, if this keeps going this way and especially if next year it goes down to 40 hours a week as the law is scheduled to do mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to have to change my business model. I'm going to have to grow different crops. I'm going to have to have a lot fewer workers, and it's going to be very different. Yep. So what happens to all those jobs and all that money and all that food that's yep. not produced in, you know, particularly true fruit, which right. the state is famous for, produces the best apples in the world, cherries, and the list goes on and on from there. Um, it, it's a scary thing to see, and we hope that Olympia can come up with an answer that certainly protects workers' needs, but also allows them to maximize their earning potential and protects farms so they can survive the low prices and be able to stay in business here in Washington. Well, if I know your audience, they're mostly farmers, so they yeah. already know what the answer is. The answer is if they, if they can make more money with a row crop, like corn, sugar beet, beans, yeah. then you can do with apples because the the price of labor is so high, then yeah. they're going to go there. Go to and, low labor intensity yep. versus, yeah. Yep. So then fruit. all of a sudden the grapes won't be here for all the great wines we have in the state of Washington because that gets picked, yeah. right? Somebody's got to do the pruning, and it's all those farm labor folks that come around here to do all that um, great work that they do here. 13th District State Representative Alex Ibarra with us here on The Farming Show this morning. Alex, thank you so much for your time having us here in Quincy. Well, thanks for inviting me, Dylan. Appreciate it. 
Now you can mow, dig, grade, haul, and more with the perfect solution for your property, a Branson tractor. Save your back and your wallet with one of our compact but powerful tractors here at Farmers Equipment Company. Stop by and choose from our full line of Bransons to take on your toughest tasks. With tractors from 19 to 55 horsepower, we have a Branson compact or utility tractor that is perfect for you. Want to use a rotary cutter to tame that tall brush on your property? You can do that. What about snagging a scoop from that pile of gravel to maintain your driveway free of potholes? You can do that too. Branson's six-year warranty along with our factory trained technicians will make sure your new tractor is always running great. Get the tractor you want and the peace of mind you need at Farmers Equipment Company. To learn more, visit us online at FarmersEquip.com or stop by our locations in Linden or Burlington today. Farmers Equipment Company, serving the Pacific Northwest for over 86 years. This week with PNW Perks, you can enjoy Bellingham Cider Company for half the price. You might know them for their delicious variety of cider flavors like their spiced pumpkin, caramel apple, and other seasonal flavors. But you'll also be amazed by their menu, proudly sourcing their fresh food from local farms and businesses. Enjoy their in-house made ravioli, guajillo braised beef, or delicata squash salad. They're well known for their buttermilk brine chicken and waffles, but you'll also find juicy burgers made from Northwest raised beef. Or how about fresh coho salmon with roasted tomato chutney? You'll be amazed at the variety, selection, and flavors from the kitchen. Terry restrictions? No problem. Their menu provides a host of vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, and dairy-free options. Bellingham Cider Company, the place great ciders meet exceptional food with breathtaking views everyone can enjoy. Find them at 205 Prospect or at BellinghamCider.com. This Thursday at 8 a.m., get a $50 gift certificate to Bellingham Cider Company for just $25, only at pnwperks.com. Do you know a group or individual in our community that works tirelessly to make a difference? Dedicated to Service wants to give them a special shout-out on the air. Email the details to dedicated at cascaderadiogroup.com. Dedicated to Service, brought to you by Nieder House of Luxury, Whatcom County's premier jewelry store, with over 45,000 unique pieces to choose from in their online store, and over 1,500 beautiful choices in-store. Nieder House of Luxury, 21 Bellwether Way, Suite 107, next to Lombardi's Back Patio. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Heating and Air Conditioning. Find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Hey, let's talk farming for a little bit. What do you say? I mean, this is the farming show. Often, though, we're talking about issues that are challenges for the farming community. We talk about political issues um, and other crises. But what's just going on in the field? You know, it's been a while since we've gotten an update on that. Welcome back uh, here on KGMI this morning. I am Dylan Honkoop, and this is The Farming Show. And well, it's just a little talking, you know, talk farming like we're in the coffee shop 
together this morning. And joining us uh, on the phone, uh, agronomist with CHS Northwest um, in fields all over Whatcom County, Clay Pell, welcome to the program this morning. Got some rain overnight, things getting kind of soggy. It's actually been a pretty darn good last month or two, though, in terms of we've gotten some moisture, but not too much. And that's helped the the corn and the potato harvest. What are you hearing from those guys out there? Yeah. Uh, Good morning. Thank you for having me. You betcha. Um, Yeah, it's it's been, I'd say, a (laughs) a welcome thing to have some moisture finally. Um, definitely could have used a little bit more throughout the summer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we got some, some really timely rains and, uh, that definitely benefited the growers. Um, there was some fields that suffered, um, I would say just dried up pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but, but these later rains, um, helped to, uh, settle the dust and, uh, I think, you know, really helped to finish off some of these crops here yeah and um well i guess first because even you know you're never done growing crops right the minute you get that harvest off you're probably putting some kind of cover crop in if it hasn't already been seeded as a relay crop saying corn or something else so we can talk about that this weather has been good for that but first you know how Let's start with corn harvest. I know people are still digging spuds. Um, I don't know about as we speak because of uh, of the rain uh, we've gotten, but um, still in that harvest. But let's start with uh, the corn first. Th- those guys are pretty much, I mean, there are, I think, a few fields still out there standing, but they're just about done. And I've seen a few celebratory posts about it on social media the past <laughs> week or so. Yeah. Uh, you know, I... It seems I just saw a field or two uh, as I was driving the county that were still still standing, but um, by and large, I'd say most everything is um, off. And uh, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily a stellar crop, um, but I, from the sounds of it, everybody's pretty pretty pleased with um, the overall average of of yields. Um, Everybody was able to get it off uh, so far in a timely manner um, without having to mud mud through the fields. Um, so I'd say all in all, you know, given given early weather conditions and and some of that drought that we we endured, um, we were able to evade the smoke cover that we've got in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I think overall um, we had a pretty pretty decent crop this year on on the corn. And for folks who don't know, I mean, almost all of the corn in Whatcom County um, that's grown uh, is for cow feed, for to feed the local dairy cows that produce the milk that we're famous for uh, here in this state. Um, so it's it's a little bit different corn. It grows a little bit bigger. It, it's a little bit starchier. It's not as sweet. If you eat one of the ears, you kind of be like, oh, that's pretty boring. Um, but it's put up then. It's, it's run through a, a forage harvester, which chops the entire plant, ears, kernels, leaves, stock, and all uh, into small pieces. And then that's put up in, in bunkers, bunker silos, uh, and covered kept without oxygen uh, so it can ensile basically making cow sauerkraut just if you're new to this whole farming scene around here that's how it works that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the corn crop it's ultimately cow food and growing corn clay um 
corn likes a couple of things. It likes heat units, right? It likes the sunshine and the heat, but it doesn't like it too dry. It can it can withstand some dry, but as you're saying, you know, so this year we had the heat units, right? And that corn right. was rocking pretty early on after I guess if we go back to the spring, it was a cool spring until all of a sudden it turned and then we had a hot, dry summer, right? So, you know, the corn liked that part of it, but it didn't like you're saying they didn't like the dry so well and all in all that's kind of what a, a so so corn season then this year. Yeah, I, you know, I, I you say so so. I, I would have to say this is probably one of the best corn years that I've seen um, up here, at least in in my time. Yeah, that's good um, to hear. You know, and there may may have been a few other years that were uh, comparable, but mm-hmm. uh, just in in the last you know eight ten years, I would say this is probably one of the the top crops. Um, just overall, we we were able to. Uh, we were, we were at a deficit for early precipitation. Um, we had rain up until kind of planting season, but uh, we were at a shortfall, so it was, made things a lot a lot easier to get into the fields and start yeah. turning dirt. Um, and there was really no delays in planting. We were able to, once the weather turned, um, things got uh, pretty nice. And we were able to um, consecutively get get corn in the ground around the county um, without many delays. We didn't have too many late uh, frosts or, or cold snaps that slowed things down. Um, and the temperatures, daytime temperatures, got up pretty quick. Yeah, I think the the evening temps um, were a little misleading um, to where we weren't getting the the heat units that maybe we, we necessarily uh, were anticipating or expecting to happen. Um, but as a whole, I, you know, we, we were able to get things going. Um, I would have anticipated maybe having the, the crops finish off a little earlier than they did. Um, but I think, again, that was kind of that, those early, early weeks of, of cooler evening temperatures that uh, slowed yeah. things down a little. Yeah. Well, it was amazing corn planting season. Like you said, when it went, when it got planted, things went pretty well. And that was evident and it happened fast. You know, it was, there was some waiting around and when's planting actually going to start and the soil temps were low and all of a sudden it was go time. And then it (laughs) just seemed like a few weeks later and wow, it's almost all done. Uh, Which is good to see after, you know, in recent years, we've dealt with all kinds, right? We've had springs are so wet. Um, I can't remember if that was uh, last year or the year before anymore. It all gets to be a blur, but you know, where you're fighting muddy fields and you can't get things planted until through June and even into July, if I recall, was that last year? And then we've had these. That was the the last year we had that situation. And we have, and then we had, you know, too dry um, last year or or the year before as well. I, it's, it there's the ebb and flow around here, you know, with growing crops and, and, you know, again, the corn likes the heat. Um, but if there's too much rain in the spring, bad for planting and also in the fall, but thankfully this fall, it doesn't sound like too many people had to, as they say, mud it out. Um, the, the, if that corn's standing out there and suddenly you get a bunch of rain and you need to get equipment out in the field to chop it up and uh, up and harvest it and haul it off. 
It can be a real mud fest. And, and we've had years like that recently, too, where, you know, it's rigs chained to other rigs to just pull through the field and get the crop off. Thankfully, it doesn't sound like it's been that bad this year. No, it definitely hasn't been that bad this year, and I don't expect to see much of that yeah. well, to, la- to occur. And last harvest season, last fall for corn and particularly potatoes, the opposite problem that we usually do, which was it was too dry, <laughs> you know, and it was a dust right. bowl. And I remember, you know, my uncle out at EB Farms having to run water like crazy just to get some, you know, the soil was so dry that they needed a little bit of moisture in it to break up the clods of dirt that had hardened, hardened in the summer heat uh, so they'd be able to get in there and dig the potatoes out and have their harvest. This year seems to be a little bit more balanced. It's not a mud fest, uh, but not a dust bowl either. Again, Clay Pell uh, with us right now here on the Farming Show on KGMI. I'm Dylan Honkoop, kind of going over how harvests have gone, catching up on what's happening in the fields of Whatcom County. Um, Clay, what about the spuds? Have you heard much from those guys? I would imagine that they were okay with how things have gone, but um, I haven't heard a ton myself. Yeah, I uh, I don't deal directly with the potato growers. Um, one of my colleagues works pretty pretty close with them, and yeah. and from everything I understand, they've had a, a pretty phenomenal year. Um, it, it's conditions have been right, um, growth has been been good, and right like you said, the the fall um, everything is kind of panned out where we've got adequate moisture. Um, I just saw some diggers going uh, yesterday, in fact, trying to wrap things up, and yep. trucks are moving like crazy down the highway. So, <laughs> Getting the potatoes in the shed, hopefully before it does get too wet, and it does sound like we have a wet system coming up a little bit later in the month. So people probably keeping their fingers crossed and digging as fast as they can so they don't get behind. But they should, <laughs> I would imagine, be getting close. You know, I, I think they are getting close. Uh, I know I'm seeing a lot of cover crops popping up. Um, there's, there's always there's, the workload's never done, um, yep. but I think we're getting closer. And I very seldom do we get falls like we had last year, where yeah, the, uh, the weather will just drag on and on and on, and uh, stay pretty dry and um, yep. average temperatures rolling into November. So. Um, so far, so good, uh, but uh, the horizon is looking pretty pretty wet, and it sounds like they're calling for a pretty neutral temperature uh, winter and, and pretty wet as well. So Yeah. Well, I mean, on the whole, we'll take the moisture um, because, you know, I know our aquifers have been a little bit lower than normal. I know snowpack has been behind. We need the moisture in the long run, um, and... Like you referenced last year, how dry it, it was. That made it tough for those co- uh, cover crops that you just mentioned. And it, and it seems like some years, you know, it's too wet for the cover crops, too. It floods them out right away if we get dumped on in the middle of September, which will happen around here sometimes. Last year was the opposite problem. We had hardly any moisture until, uh, I 
if I recall, end of October, early November is when things really started to get serious for any sort of moisture that was going to turn it around. And by that time, things were so cool that there wasn't a lot of germination happening. So first it was too dry to germinate, you know, cover crop seed. And then suddenly it was too cold to germinate it, even though the moisture showed up. So it was a brutal year for cover crop. I know that led to a lot of wind erosion in some spots. You, when the northeast wind later in the winter would get going, it was so dry and cold, and then dust was blowing everywhere because cover crops hadn't gotten the chance to develop. That caused a problem. Thankfully, that's not. We've had a good mix again this year, where you know we're getting seed germinated, uh, it's getting watered, but the soil temp is staying up. We have the we've had a few of these sunny, warm days um, to really get that stuff to pop out of the ground. I don't know what you're seeing out there, uh, but I'm seeing a lot of winter wheat that's already looking pretty impressive. Yeah, it's the the cover crops are looking are really really nice right now. I'm, I'm really pleased with how that's all popping up. Uh, we had a couple timely rains um, throughout the summer that will both helped the corn grow um, as well as getting the, those cover crops established if they were um, interceded by the time those rains came. And so when, once the corn came off and things were so dry, there there was a little concern of, of how things were germinating. But here in the last couple of weeks with, with soil temperatures staying up, um air temperatures staying up and, and the moisture we've gotten these these crops have really taken off and um you know I, I, there's still some cover crops and new seedings that uh i've seen going in in the last couple weeks here so should be yeah. uh, a, a decent establishment for those um i know the feed is always uh important for these guys and uh, it seems like the even the last grass crop that came off was was awesome as well. The yeah. wind windrows were um, pretty substantial on those. Yeah. And so I think going into the fall, um, from what I can see, these these yeah. uh, crops are really going to produce for these guys. Well, and from what I heard, that you know, grass was pretty brutal in the middle of summer. Uh, when things were dry, I know talking with some of the custom guys, they were really slow from what they normally do just because, you know, there's limited irrigation or no irrigation on a lot of the grass fields out there um, tends to be lower value land that grass also, again, for cow feed, for people curious, um, and put up as forage or haylage or dry hay. You know, those crops were behind, so it was good that they had at least a, a good last cutting here is kind of what you're saying, right? Did that help make up a little bit? Yeah, it definitely, I think, is going to help uh, buffer some of that. Um, maybe the one of the higher drought um, experiences I've seen in, in grass this year, um, the color of the grass was, was apparent. Yeah. The growth rate was apparent. Um there wasn't much you could do and some of the sandy ground too there's there's yeah. not a lot that you can really do without keeping a dedicated water source on it just to keep it going and as i mentioned we we came into the spring and summer uh at a deficit so to to try to play catch up and give <laughs> the crop the necessary uh source it, it was yeah. it was definitely a battle Speaking of grass and cover crops, what are what are the primary cover crops out there? You know, there's winter wheat on stuff and ryegrass, and you know, what's the what's the stuff that people are putting in the fall uh, to 
you know, both provide hopefully, you know, a first cutting of feed in the spring, but also, you know, soil health uh, benefits, uh, erosion control from both water and wind uh, over the wintertime. What's kind of, what's common around here these days for what people are planting in the fall? You know, the, there's probably the two primaries I would say would be a winter wheat and then uh, a triticale, which is a hybrid of a, a rye and a wheat. Um, kind of hit and miss depending on on uh, the grower. A lot of times guys will do winter wheat if they're just going to quickly turn under for some uh, an early seeding or try to get yeah. an early corn crop in. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them, if they can get out there early enough, will will take that as well. Um, yeah, so otherwise, it, it just becomes otherwise it just becomes organic matter for the next planting Correct. too, which isn't yeah. a bad thing either. It's never a bad thing. It's, it's always nice, and some of these fields could really use uh, a little bit organic matter um, moving in. But um, those are those are the primary ones. Uh, if you guys will throw in some annual rye in there as well, rye seem to uh, take off pretty pretty quick and get a quick establishment, which is always nice this time of year when you're kind of shortchanged on on time and temperature yeah absolutely again clay pell with uh, chs northwest on the phone with us this morning talking a little farming just about out of time actually clay uh, but real quick um things have like we've been hearing turned out pretty good with corn uh, going all right with spuds they're doing good um, maybe not so much happiness with the uh, the blues and the the raspberries. They they struggled a little bit more this year, right? Just to sum up here in the last thirty seconds. Yeah, berries struggled a little bit this year. Um, again, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, speculations as to what the causes were, mm-hmm. um, and and we could go back and forth on on what all those were or what to pinpoint which one it was um, would, would be hard to say but yeah. um raspberries were able to i think come out somewhat even um the blueberries definitely had a a shortfall um and so that's going to be a struggle for everybody yeah. and always just looking for um how to to make a comeback on yeah. that and and settle out and i've heard one of the likely culprits for the struggling blueberry crop this year was possibly like you said it could be a variety of factors but possibly last fall when uh when things were dry and that's when blueberries are already working on setting fruit for the next year and they weren't so happy and healthy because things were so dry and warm so late last year but again who knows exactly what all the factors were this is the art and science of growing food clay pell with chs northwest an agronomist there thank you so much for taking the time to talk a little farming and fill us in this morning absolutely i appreciate it, Dylan. thanks for having me